Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. You know what makes me horny? Audio porn. Yeah, you heard it right. It's masturbation month. So I'm playing with myself while listening to audio erotica on Quinn. Listening instead of watching can help improve your sexual imagination and stimulation. So download Quinn. That's Q-U-I-N-N. Or click the link in today's episode description. Put on your headphones and have an orgasmic time. Hello, my loves, and welcome to the first segment of my show, In Bed with Dr. Tara, where I answer your questions directly from my website. If you would like to ask me a question, you can go to my website, lovebites.co, and click ask. Today's question is from David, and he said, I had a partner who loved doing small penis humiliation and findom to me, and now I feel like I can't come unless my partner does those things to me. I feel like I have been conditioned and trained to orgasm that way. It's hard to even get hard in bed with women if those things aren't happening. And when it does happen, I come in a minute, so I'm premature. What should I do? Okay, I think there are a couple of things here that you can do to almost retrain yourself. Okay, your former partner did small penis humiliation to you. My first question to you would be like, did you enjoy it? Is it your kink also? Because if you have SPH kink, then that's completely fine. You're okay. You can pursue a SPH kink with your new partners as well as long as you communicate authentically about your desires. But if you feel like you were trained to do so and not necessarily your kink, I feel like there are maybe a few things that you can do. The first thing is I would try sexual meditation and try to get on this program of increasing your sexual self-esteem so try sexual meditation i have free guided sexual meditation on youtube if you search love bites by dr tara on youtube you'll find these guided sexual meditations there's a five minute one ten minute one many people that have sexual anxiety or premature ejaculation have said that it helped them so try that first i would also highly suggest seeing sex therapist if this is a concern to you i know many Many good sex therapists out there. I don't know which area you're in, but in California, my friend and colleague Nicoletta Heidecker, she's a great sex therapist and she's kink informed, so she understands these situations. I highly recommend reach out to her and let me know how it goes. Zachary Zane is a sex expert and activist. He currently has a sex advice column at Men's Health titled Sexplain It and a relationship column at Queer Majority titled Zach and the City. His work has been published in the New York Times, Rolling Stone, the Washington Post, and many, many others. He is the founder and editor-in-chief of The Boy Slut magazine, which publishes nonfiction sex stories from kingsters across the globe. He is also co-author of the sex advice book, Men's Health, Best Sex Ever. And the exciting part is his memoir, Manifesto, Boy Slut, comes out today. 
So definitely check that out. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited. Oh my (laughs) God, I'm so excited. Fuck yes. You've written so much stuff. Yes, and that was just even a fraction of the places that I've written for. And actually, I have a new column at Cosmo. It's called Navigating Non-Monogamy. And specifically, it's looking at all the mistakes I've made in my ethical non-monogamous journey and what I've learned from them. It really is delving into issues of polyamory that kind of extend beyond a 101. A lot of the content right now that's out is how to deal with jealousy. Mm. And of course, that is important, but there are 10 million other issues that polyamorous (laughs) people are dealing with. And even if you're not jealous or know how to navigate that, there's still a gajillion other issues and they're just not discussed at all really in mainstream media. So I'm really looking at all these various other things that polyamorous and non-monogamous people struggle with Uh and shedding a light on all of those issues and providing hopefully some helpful advice here. Nice. Are you in a relationship right now? I am. What kind of relationship? Polyamorous. So I have a primary partner. I have a girlfriend and then more casual and secondary partners of all genders. Is this the V-shaped polyamory? No, it's really just the the two of us. And then again, she has more casual partners and so do I. And And it's definitely uh, hierarchical as opposed to I used to be more relationship anarchy. But now for my sanity, I definitely (laughs) have more hierarchies just because I think it really simplifies fly relationships in a way when your relationship anarchy, which essentially means like we don't believe in any hierarchies, it can just get very confusing very quickly. And so that's why implementing a hierarchy when I used to not do that. When you say hierarchy, you mean like having a primary partner? Yeah. Polyamorous people have kind of shifted the language a little bit because no one wants to be like, I'm a secondary partner. I'm a tertiary (laughs) partner. You know, no one wants to feel second or third. So there are different ways people now discuss this where they'll say, this is my nesting partner if you guys live together, or you'll say this is my anchor partner, and then everyone else are just partners. But do you have regular sexual partners, or it's kind of open-ended? I just have, I fuck all my friends, you know what (laughs) I mean? So at this point, it's always tough what constitutes a partner. Is a friends with benefits a partner? Is someone I've had sex with once a partner? I have a friend, and I see her maybe once every two, three months. When we see each other, it's amazing. We have this very cutesy date, and she sleeps over, we have sex, it's incredible. And we really don't talk for two months. And then once in a while, we'll hit each other up. And that's kind of our relationship. And it's like, I guess that's a partner. But even once she was like, almost embarrassed to introduce me. She's like, hey, sorry, I didn't introduce you as a partner. I said you were a friend. I'm like, no, it's whatever. We're, we're doing what we're doing. Fine. Yeah, everything's fine. I'm not upset about whether you call me a friend or a partner. What is a partner to one person is different for another person. It can be confusing. Yeah, I fuck all my friends pretty much every time we hang out. So whether they are friends or partners, but I definitely do have repeated sex and then also sex with new people because that's also fun and exciting. Yeah. Is that what boy slut is about? Oh, Boy Slut's about many, many things. But in short, Boy Slut is about how to overcome sexual shame. Mm. And I talk about how sexual shame is so pervasive and it's so insidious. And I grew up in this liberal household, a very queer affirming sex positive household. I had gay uncles on both sides of my family, my mom's and dad's brothers. Mm. And still... I had so much sexual shame and so much guilt around my sexual desires and my sexual attractions. Mm. And it shows that even if you come from the most sex positive household, you're still going to struggle because you still exist in this sex negative society. You still pick up messages from media, from your friends, from your peers, from teachers, culture. It's everywhere. 
So it's about how I was able to kind of overcome the sexual shame that I have and embrace all aspects of myself. I've read a couple of articles that talk about how bisexual people will experience significant amount of shame at the beginning because they're trying to go against the fact that they're perhaps bisexual. It's tough. I mean, when I was coming to grips with my sexuality, which I guess I was doing all of my childhood well, but the first time I hooked up with a dude, I was 18. And it was like my second week of college. And there had been all these gay rumors about me in my entire life. But I knew (laughs) I loved and dated women. But I was like, you know what? I went to college specifically 3,000 miles away from where I lived. So no one knew who I was. So I could kind of explore. I'd get so drunk in order to hook up with him because I was so anxious and so nervous. I left in the middle of him blowing me twice to go oh. to go. And he's like, are you OK? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. keep going. It's good. <laughs> After that, I remember thinking, maybe I'm not gay. Like, I really didn't enjoy this, but also I was so drunk. Well, I got hard. And so maybe I like men. But then I also am 18 and a soft breeze is enough to give me an erection <laughs> at this point. I spent five years getting blackout and hooking up with guys. Alcohol was this get out of jail free card where I could be like, I was drunk. It doesn't count, even though it totally does. And it wasn't until I saw a therapist right after college where I went to him being like, hey, I'm really confused with my sexuality. Sometimes I think I'm gay, but then I'm straight and I hook up with guys and girls. I gave this whole long monologue on our first session. And on our second session, I proceed to give the same monologue again. And he goes, Zach, you seem very clearly bisexual. Is there something that I'm missing? And I go, oh, that shit doesn't exist in men. And he responded, Zach, you're too smart to think that. Ten plus years ago, when I was struggling with this, there was no bisexual visibility. Oh, that's so Uh, interesting. So you were like, I'm either straight or gay. Doctor, tell me. Therapist, tell me. Exactly. And he was, well, you're bi. And I just didn't see it as a viable option. Because again, there was so little bisexual visibility. Bisexual people are significantly less likely to be out to people in their lives, to their partners, to their friends, to their coworkers. And yeah, everyone I knew who said they were bi came out as gay shortly after. So I just didn't think it was real. And then for a while, because of kind of internalized homophobia and internalized biphobia, I thought I was bi-sexual, but hetero-romantic. Essentially, what that means is I can sleep with both men and women and all other genders, but I could only date and love women. So romantically, I was only attracted to women. And while that is a valid sexual and romantic orientation, that actually wasn't me. I was just closeted and anxious and wasn't yet ready to embrace the fact that I could actually love a man the same way I could love a woman. What is your response to people who go, oh, honey, you're gay, you're not bi? Oh, God. I mean, I don't even engage them anymore. I used to feel like I used to have to prove my sexuality to them, being like, okay, look, here's all the men I've had sex with. Here's all the women I've had sex with. Here's all the non-binary people I've had sex. Pulling up a resume plays into their game, right? Because you can be bisexual having never had sex with a man, having never had sex with a woman. You know, you're still straight when you're a virgin because you know what your attractions are. So just because you haven't acted on it doesn't mean you're any less bisexual. Me pulling up a resume of people I fucked is actually feeding into something that I shouldn't even be feeding into. I used to get very defensive. When you get defensive about something, that doesn't change anyone else's mind. But when people say that to me, I go, okay, thank you. It's showing them that I don't need to justify my existence. I don't need to prove my identity. And I don't give a fuck about what you think. I'm still bisexual, whether you believe it or not. You can fucking stick your head in the sand and the world still exists around you. You know what I mean? You just demonstrated the high sexual self-esteem. Like, that was an example. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I don't fucking need your validation. And ironically, 
me not engaging in a debate is more likely to change their mind than me going a step-by-step of why what they're thinking is wrong, which is what I used to do. But now I got shit to do. I got people to fuck. I don't give a fuck (laughs) what you're doing. I don't need your approval. And I really don't care to have this conversation. On the note of I got people to fuck, I'm curious. (laughs) Are you different sexually when you are with men versus women? Yeah, I think I am. Often it is their vibe. There are women who are very dominant and these women often end up pegging me. And that's kind of the type of sex that we have. Mm -hmm. And there are men who are very submissive. So I don't want to be like, oh, women are submissive, men are dominant. That's not what the case is. There are differences in terms of it. Obviously, there are just the physical mechanics of me hooking up with someone who is my height, who is 6'4", who has a penis, who's railing me is Mm -hmm. very different than me hooking up with someone who is 5'5", who has vagina, who I'm having sex with. So just the Mm -hmm. physicality is different. Queer and gay men, at least in New York City, often do not wear condoms because we have PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis. Mm -hmm. It's a daily medication you take to not get HIV. A lot of us are more comfortable with taking higher risks sexually. So even though it doesn't prevent against gonorrhea or chlamydia, we have unprotected sex. If we get gonorrhea or chlamydia, we get tested, we get treated, we tell our partners, and that's it. Versus most women I'm with, of course, want you to wear condoms. So I wear condoms with most women. With your girlfriend, you have vaginal sex, anal sex, but yeah. she texts you too. So yes. She hasn't pegged me just yet. Everything's on the menu. Everything is on the menu. I feel like the difference is with gay men have a lot more anonymous sex. I use like hookup apps like Grindr and Sniffies, and I can have a guy over into my apartment naked blowing me within 15 minutes. You know what I mean? And they just come in and it's a lot kinkier stuff will do where they'll be like, hey, I'm blindfolded. My head's over the bed. The door's unlocked. Come in, throat fuck me, and then just leave. Wow. And because, again, they're not the same safety concerns. Obviously, with a man and a woman, a woman would not do that to a complete stranger. Mm-hmm. Or most women, some women I'm sure do, but there's an element of safety right, yeah. that happens when it's a man and a woman. Even though there's still obviously safety issues among gay, queer, bisexual men, we still take those risks. There's a lot more of just cruise, you know, fucking someone in a public place, fucking someone mm-hmm. in a park, someone coming over, doing just quickie hookups that just <laughs> wouldn't happen kind of the same way meeting and having sex with women. So a little bit ago, you said orgy. I'm wondering, what was your first orgy like? So I've had a few interesting experiences with (laughs) orgies. But one was going to this gay orgy with my boyfriend at the time. And I actually ended up leaving. I felt so uncomfortable, which is so funny considering where I fucking am now. And now I'm writing this this book. (laughs) But it also shows that I was not prepared for like a gay sex space where often in those spaces, it's not enthusiastic consent based. It's not like, hey, can I touch you? It's more if you don't like something, you tell them no. So it's more of an opt out consent space. And I was just not used to a bunch of guys touching me and grabbing me from all sides. And I was like, I feel uncomfortable and overwhelmed. I'm going to leave. And now I fucking love guys touching me. From <laughs> now all you sides. organize one. <laughs> yeah, now I organize it. I love it. But I think I just went in with the wrong expectations. And if I'd known that this was the space, I could have gotten in that mindset. But I wasn't prepared. Is so that the my- difference between, let's say, a gay orgy versus a co-ed sex party? You know, the thing is, I don't want to perpetuate stereotypes. There are some gay sex spaces that utilize more enthusiastic consent the same way. But I think there are just generally differences. I think that might be a big difference, especially now with co-ed. They really are, of course, ask before you touch, ask before I can kiss you versus... In a gay sex space, if you're a guy on a sex sling blindfolded up there taking loads, 
You don't want someone to be like, hey, can I go and stick my penis in your butt? The whole point you went in the space was for anonymous men to fuck you. Neither is superior. Uh, like, you know what I mean? I think there's more up for... Like it can all be fun and exciting for it, any person it, participating. I think it just needs to be very clear what the culture of consent is to attendees so they know what to expect. You've been to the Hacienda party, right? Oh, I fucking love Hacienda. Yeah, I'm there a bunch. <laughs> are they usually co-ed? Yeah, I think they're always co-ed. There have been certain parties that center trans or non-binary people. Certain I threw a party there called Bi Slut, <laughs> and that was specifically for bisexual men and their admirers. And the reason mm-hmm. why I did that was because so many quote-unquote queer sex parties were not. Mm-hmm. It's like either it's like a gay sex party that's just all men. But that's obviously not inclusive of women. And then when they would say queer sex party, it meant like women hooked up with women and women hooked up with men, but the other men still weren't hooking up with guys. And I wanted a place that was actually just men hooking up with other men, men hooking up with women, guys getting pegged, guys getting fisted, getting DP'd by a strap on and a dick, the most actual queer configurations you can possibly (laughs) imagine. And let me tell you, I fucking succeeded. I absolutely (laughs) succeeded. And actually... The last chapter of my book is by slut. I'm talking about that party in detail. Oh, yeah. Y'all got to get this book to read that last chapter particularly. Oh, it is it is raunchy as fuck. You could probably tell by the way that I speak. This is not your average little gay memoir here. (laughs) I I, I can promise you that much. It's definitely raunchy or more explicit, more graphic, Uh and potentially more fun, I think. Have you ever taken the assessment on sociosexuality tendency and sation taste? Seeking tendency. Quality is your tendency to enjoy more or less casual sex. I wonder where you would score from 1 to 10. You're probably 11. Yeah, I I love casual sex. I absolutely (laughs) do. And I'm trying to make sure I love partnered and romantic sex too. Obviously, I think that's more emotional and intimate and can be potentially harder. With your girlfriend, do you feel like having sex with her is different than a casual hookup? Yeah, no, I think of course it is. I just feel more comfortable with her. And I think there is more emotions involved in that. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting and powerful and scary at times too. You know what I mean? I always thought I just loved casual sex and I was really struggling to like have emotional sex with my partners. And there's actually kind of a sexual orientation about this that I discuss in the book. Mm -hmm. And it's called sexuality to define demisexual, which people are more aware of. Demisexual is the sexual orientation where you don't develop a sexual attraction until you have an emotional connection with someone. Mm-hmm. So these people do not like anonymous sex, and they really need to have a heart-to-heart conversation before they experience physical attraction. Praysexuals were on the opposite side of that spectrum, which are actually they prefer to have casual and anonymous sex. And as they get to know someone and really develop an emotional connection with them, that sex drive kind of goes away. And that's honestly pretty common just because often the newness and the excitement is what makes sex so fun. For a while, I thought I was really the strict sexual person. I kind of write about this in the book. And even from the book, I've kind of changed a little bit and be, well, actually, I think I might be struggling a little bit with intimate Mm -hmm. and romantic sex. So I want to be more open to that in a way that I haven't been before instead of relying on the sexual orientation. A little bit of vulnerable, Zach. Yeah, (laughs) trying to be a little bit more vulnerable in everything. But there are certain things that, you know, I'm going to change and grow and my perspectives will change. And still what I wrote about phrase sexuality in the book is still 100% valid. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's still very helpful for many people. Yeah. But I've met many people like that. Yeah. I didn't know that term, but I've met mm-hmm. many people like that who prefer yeah. 
only casual sex and is not necessarily like any type of exclusive relationship, romantic yeah. relationship. It's cool to have this term to explain their experiences. Back to orgies. Please. <laughs> so you're a frequent participant of orgies and sex parties. Now I have to ask for my listeners and followers because they're always really curious. Their number one question, especially if they're like younger, meaning like they're in early 20s, they're like, where do I find one? Good, good question. You know what I mean? It depends on where you live. I think is honestly a big aspect of it. Yeah. Um, if you're in like rural town in Alabama, there isn't probably a sex party or maybe there is, but a different kind. It's a different kind. And they might be just a little bit more hush hush about it as opposed to in New York, everyone and their mother goes to a sex party. So you're not necessarily <laughs> lying about where you were versus rural Alabama. You might have to lie a little bit. <laughs> A good thing to check out is FetLife. It's specifically like a social network for like kinksters, but also they have munches is what they call, which is kind of like group meetups that are not sexual, but that's a way to kind of meet other people in the community. And these people will be aware of where sex parties are happening and are often throwing the sex parties themselves. You can also use Field. Again, that's a polyamorous dating app, but a lot of the people there are doing orgies and sex parties as well. Once you meet one or two people in the scene, then you're in the scene. All of a sudden, you have access to 10 billion parties. It goes from zero to 100 very quickly. It is a small community, and you'll start knowing everyone. And if someone likes you, and like, oh, check out this event. There, they'll be talking about 50 more events that happen. But I think FetLife is a good place to start. And again, field. So then you just start talking to other people in the scene who can then point you in the right direction here. Awesome. Thank you so much. Out of my curiosity. Do you sleep with men and women in equal ratio? So I feel like it's really gone through waves. Points in my life, I've been sleeping with more women. At points in my life, I've been sleeping with more men. Points, I'm sleeping with more non-binary and trans people. Right now, I think I'm sleeping with more women than men, which is actually kind of rare for me. I think it's just kind of what's been happening. It's a phase of life. <laughs> it's a phase of life. I've also go to a lot more bisexual queer sex parties. And at mm -hmm. those parties, as I kind of mentioned, it's often women hooking up with men as opposed to men hooking up with men. So I'm just in more spaces right now where I'm meeting people who are women as opposed to queer men who'd want to sleep with me. So I think just because I tend to meet people while out and I'm in more spaces that just have more women than gay men, I just find myself sleeping with more women. Mm. But okay. still, I'm sleeping with plenty of dudes, too. Let, let's not literally everyone <laughs> all the time. Opportunity. <laughs> Equal opportunity. But yeah, I think it just changes depending on what point of life you're at. Have you ever thought about your ideal situation in the future? Yeah, I have. And, you know, one thing I kind of struggle with is I think for my queer identity, it's really important for me, for my primary partner, eventually to be a man. I think and when I go to gay spaces with my girlfriend now, we get side eye from people because they think we're this annoying straight couple who's going to a gay bar or making out and kind of flaunting our straightness when I'm like, no, I've fucked more dudes than any guy in this club. And she's fucked more women than any lesbian in this club. <laughs> I don't like being perceived as straight. And when the world is kind of divided into gay and straight, that's the reality of the situation. I prefer to be part of the gay world than the straight one. And my girlfriend now knows this. When we started dating, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be my forever relationship like i don't think you're ever going to be my wife is this something you're comfortable with knowing that this is going to have an ending point she's more poly as well and she just goes no zach i want you to be happy 
Mm-hmm. And that's what's important to me. Whether it's with me or not with me, that's okay. And you know, if you find a guy that you really fall in love with, please don't kick me to the curb. I still want to yeah. be in your life as a friend and a lover. But now that I know that this is the case, that's okay. And I'm just going to make sure to really enjoy the time we have together, knowing that our relationship is likely to change at some point. And it was a very healthy conversation that, that we had, actually. Very healthy. Yeah. You know what I've observed on and on and on again, many, many couples, many times, is that poly people tend to just have this empathy and communication skills that a lot of non-poly people perhaps don't take the time to develop. They don't have the time to develop. And of course, there are plenty of poly people that still suck at communicating. And they're monogamous people who are great. But I've also noticed that poly people often... It's almost like having... Being empathetic is a part of being in a polyamorous relationship. Being empathetic, not taking things as personally, I think is something that sometimes poly people are better at. Where I've definitely had people who just any type of conversation we have almost seems to blow up into a fight very quickly because they felt like it was an attack on them. Even though, trust you, I'm a sex columnist. I know how to use feel language and to express something in a way that is not attacking that's not guilt-inducing or shaming. And even when I use kind of the perfect language and really be like, hey, nothing's wrong in the relationship. I love you. Everything's good. One thing I've just been struggling with or one thing that would be really helpful for me if you were able to do this would be X, Y, Z. And even when I say it like that, like still just shit fucking implodes in a way where I'm like, wow, no, like, why is this conversation? No, like, this shouldn't be this. Why is this conversation happening the way it is? Fuck, <laughs> like this really doesn't need to be that. I'm allowed to be more honest with poly people, mm-hmm. and I'm, which is a really great feeling. And I should be able to feel that honest with monogamous people. But when I am, it's just kind of sometimes led to these blowouts where I'm like, mm-hmm. "What? No, come yeah. on!" Yeah. But again, I'm not really interacting with any monogamous people anymore, right. and, I, and I never will again. And that could just have been by the fact that I haven't been monogamous since I was 22. You know what I mean? So right. that could just be the fact that we I didn't have skills yet, and neither yeah. did me and my partners. Well, it's like almost 10 years, right? Ethical yeah. non-monogamy. A, l- a little bit less time, right? So I had my girlfriend at 23, and then at tw- it was 22 to 23. And then I think around 23, 24 is when I met my boyfriend. And then he had a wife okay. and a girlfriend that he lived with. All three of them lived <laughs> together. And he also had a boyfriend. And then wow. them, yeah, and then I ended up taking the place of the girlfriend. So it was me living with my boyfriend, my boyfriend's wife, and then my boyfriend's wife's girlfriend she had a different partner and i have two chapters about that in my book voicelet a memoir and manifesto out right fucking now everything has to come back to it today Ah, today. out today (laughs) what is your advice for people who are bi-curious it might be ironic considering how much i said identifying as bisexual has helped me but i really wish that when i first was exploring my sexuality, I realized that you can do things without a label attached to it. And here's kind of what I mean. I think I was so focused when I hooked up with guys being like, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I bi? That I wasn't able to kind of be present in the moment and actually just enjoy it. I was so in my head. So I will say if you are bi-curious that if you hook up, let's say you're a man who I'm talking to right now, if you hook up with another dude decide you don't like it and it's not for you, that doesn't make you any less straight. 
you're still the exact same person. If you decide you do like it or you're not sure or find yourself drawn to keep doing it again and again, well then, you know, it's something that's definitely worth exploring and getting into. Just engaging in hookups and fun activities and behaviors without feeling compelled to label yourself can allow you to kind of explore more freely. And then when you're ready, if you decide a label fits you, you can then go with that label. Love that. Thank you. Okay, so the last segment of this show is called Five Quickies with Dr. Tara. I'm going to give you a word and you're just giving you a first response. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Number one, orgies. Fun. Number two, squirting. Fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I won't do fun for all of them. Sorry, I promise. Okay. Okay. Number three, pegging. Heavenly. (laughs) Heavenly. No, I'm I'm using other words now. Joyous. Wow, Uh, heavenly. I feel like I transcend the human plane when I get pegged. Uh It is a spiritual experience at times. Truly heavenly. Okay, I know this is a quickie, but I got to ask this question because I have a lot of followers asking me, what's Mm -hmm. your advice for straight men who's on the fence? I mean, do it. Pegging does not make you any less straight. I Mm -hmm. think there's this idea that if you enjoy pegging, oh, you're secretly bisexual, you're secretly gay. If you enjoy getting fucked by a man with a dick, that's gay. That's bisexual. If it's a woman with a strap on, no, it's not. And it just feels so good, right? This is a matter of anatomy. It's a matter of science. You have the prostate inside of you and you experience these like full body orgasms. You think it feels good when you just come just from stroking your dick. When you fucking come with something in your ass, it's 50 times better. And I have a chapter in my book called Don't Be Gay, Just Shove It Up Your Ass. And it's actually all about specifically pegging. And I really address this kind of concern that a lot of straight men have about it being gay or bi. And I really break that down in an entire chapter. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely worth checking out. Wow, that was such a great idea real moment. Please. It has a little bit of pegging, a little bit of book promotion. Yeah, we love it. Okay, number four. We're serious now. Number Uh four, alpha males. Douchebags. (laughs) Not all of them, but some of them. I do want to ask this question. Fuck, I'm not being very good with quickies. I do have a question about that. There's like a group of people who I know who say the word alpha male just means an assertive man who rests comfortably in his masculinity. How come it became this negative thing? I like, think it was why because, is it wrong to be alpha? Well, I think it's just because the men that have identified as alpha have not just been secure in their sexuality. They're often misogynistic and sexist. In the way that they're pertaining it, it's not that they're actually confident about who they are. They're actually extremely not confident about who they are. And so they're projecting their insecurities in this form of aggression and confidence that isn't even valid. Mm. But the reason why it kind of received a negative connotation was because, again, the men who identified as such were not treating women well, were were not treating men well. They were just not treating anyone well. There is nothing wrong with being confident, with being sexually assertive, with being dominant. But if you do it in a way that's not being considerate of your partners, of the women in your life, or you're doing it in a way that really dismisses other men because they're beta and I'm so much better than they are. That's not legitimate big dick energy. That's legitimately small dick energy. You know what I mean? Like, And I don't think it actually is just pure sexual confidence. I actually ironically think it's a lot of sexual insecurity. Mm, just be a good human, period. Right? It costs you nothing to be nice. You can do that. Number five polyamory. Oh, I was going to say challenging. I guess maybe I'm struggling. Oh, that was the thing that came to it. (laughs) 
it's worth it in the end. Polyamory can be challenging. Funny that that was the first thing that came to my mind, though. So it requires a lot of communication, a lot of hard talks, a lot of navigating jealousy and time management. And I absolutely think that it's worth it. Otherwise, I would not be doing that if I didn't think it was worth it. But I think it's something that can be challenging. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you. This was so much fun. This was so much fun. And my love bites fam, definitely like, share this episode. It will also be on YouTube. So definitely comment, like, subscribe on YouTube as well. And Zach, your book is out today. Mm-hmm. So definitely go get the book. It's available anywhere books are sold, anywhere online. You can follow me at you know Zachary Zane underscore. That's Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And then also my website, ZacharyZane.com. I hope you guys love and enjoy the book here. Oh, yes, they will. And Love Bites fam, I love you. Thanks for listening and have an orgasmic day. Do you want to become sexually powerful? If the answer is yes, go to lovebites.co and check out 30 Days to My Best Sexy Self, a sexual mindfulness journal. This ebook will change your life. In this sexual mindfulness journal, I offer the tried and true methods to become more sexually confident. It's for everyone who wants to have the best sex life possible. Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love Bites. Love Bites by Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.